Hi, this is Tamika Kasten Miller, and you are listening to Think, Flow, Grow. At the end of this and every episode, you will find a meditation. So stay tuned. Welcome to today's episode of Think, Flow, Grow. This is Tamika Kasten Miller, and I am curious today about how you are making ready for the holidays. Now, I believe that I told you a long time ago that I went through the process of condoing my house, and many people might be going through this process or might have gone through it. Uh, in preparation for having people over, or perhaps you're the person who cleans up as best as you can and you save all of the big cleaning for spring cleaning. Consider that what might need to be cleansed this year is way beyond the floors and the windows and the fans and all of the cobwebs, but rather cleaning out the cobwebs of relationships Um, that maybe need to be revived and relationships that perhaps are time to get rid of. And so when I think about this, I think about two things. One of the things is that I think about how when people have been in my life that really serve a large purpose, they have just come into my life without me having to make it happen. And then there are those people who are in my life who I have had, who have been presented with many signs that they don't need to be in my life. And unlike condoing your home where you kind of think about the things that you haven't used in a while, um, that's not necessarily the same process that we would go through when assessing relationships in our lives. And so, yeah, this um, concept is definitely one that I think really comes to a head now that we are coming into the holiday season. A lot of times people actually start getting uh, a deep sense of anxiety around this time frame because you know you're going to be in a situation in which you're Um, in conversations and situations with people with whom you don't spend a lot of time and maybe you or your situation um, have has changed since the the last time you saw that person and so now you know coming to a head uh, of now there's this kind of reckoning of what do I say what don't I say So I'll first start off with something that's really important to me, and that's the LGBT community. So for a lot of people within the LGBT community, um, myself included, you know, there is this moment in which you decide that it's no longer worth hiding a truth. It's no, it's harder to hide a truth than it is to not hide a truth. And that moment is really different for, for everyone. And, um, you know, the LGBTQ person might come out a hundred or more times in 
in their lifetime. Um, you come out to your closest people who you, you know won't judge you, and then uh, perhaps to the people who could possibly, um, and then maybe the, the difficult ones. Um, every time someone asks you, you know, I, I know for me personally, people say, well, does your husband also speak Spanish? And I'm like, I have a wife and no, she doesn't speak Spanish, you know, and I don't know how many times that happens. I mean, this, this is a process that just keeps happening over and over again. And of course, not everyone has the same reaction. Um, I, I have found though, that by giving my very brief correction, um, has helped to mitigate any weirdness. And, um, and if my marriage, uh, presents as weirdness to someone else's, um, in someone else's perspective, then that's certainly their issue, not mine. But I know that this isn't something that is easy for a lot of people, especially when those people are within your family. And so, the holidays oftentimes present a really difficult time because you know you have to see people that either do accept you or don't accept you or both, um, or people that don't know what's going on or perhaps do. And so there's like secret keeping and all of these things that come up. And I know at least in my family, there was a process of acceptance that kind of took some time with certain members of the family. And in my wife's family, there is a member of her family that just simply has just stopped talking to her. And unfortunately, it's her sister. Um, and, um, and that's just the way that that is. And so we, within the LGBT community, I think what we have, what we are doing is, and this is something that I have told uh, friends who are, are going through, and students and younger people who are going through the process of this, is, you know, we open a door, and that door is to our truth, to who we are, to, to what it is, to our lifestyles, to our loved one, whatever it is. We open that door, and it's that other person's decision as to whether or not they want to step through that door and be in relationship with you as your authentic self. And I think both people have a decision and both people have agency in that situation. So it is my decision to speak my truth. And it is that person to whom I'm speaking. It's that person's decision as to whether or not they want to hear she or they want to accept that and be in relationship with me with that truth. And I think that we need to be prepared for any and all possible outcomes. And the truth doesn't change. Truth is truth. So of course now we also now have the added layers of uh, 2019 in the United States. Um, and of course this is not unique to the United States, um, crazy, insane xenophobia, homophobia, Islamophobia, um, is happening all over the world. And of course there are going to be people who are on either side of that situation. For me, it is an absolute deal breaker 
to have someone in my inner circle who is transphobic, transphobic, Islamophobic, homophobic, any of xeno, any type of xenophobia, any type of othering that has become normalized in that person's life is absolutely a deal breaker for me, for you to be in my inner circle. Period. The end. There's no conversation and I do not care who you are. Um, I don't care what you have been. It's just not okay. And it's not acceptable. And I know that I have people like that in my, in my family and in my, uh, in, in my, uh, the family that I'm married into. And I know that I have people who are in my life, uh, tangentially that were friends from high school or who were friends from through work or what have you. And, uh, I've systematically just, you know, distance myself from those people. That said, um, you know, it's, one could argue, well, I mean, what if that person's my mother or what if that person's my, my father or my, my best friend? And I would say that while parents don't change in terms of relationship, friends do. And who's your friend, best friend today may not be your best friend six years from now, 12 years from now, 20 years from now. That can change because the requirements that you have on friendship and the stress that is put on friendship changes. So certainly for me, when I had a boyfriend, I had, you know, a certain set, I had boyfriends, I had a certain set of friends. And then when I had a, a girlfriend, uh, several of those people didn't, didn't make it. They, they didn't, they didn't come step through the door or they thought they were stepping through the door and they weren't stepping through the door in a way that made me feel loved and affirmed in a scene. And so it did not work, um, for us to continue that relationship. So for sure, when it comes to being in this 2019 um, point in our lives in which there's a lot of political um, upheaval, there's a lot of vitriol, there's a lot of um, violent uh, ways of speaking about people, um, you may find yourself in a situation in which someone that you care about is on the other end of a conversation that you cannot believe that you're having. Um, and this reminds me of this conversation with my friend's mother, who I deeply, deeply love and, and respect. And she was talking to me about how when she, when she was giving birth to my friend, or she was going to give birth to my friend, um, at the time they were living in London, and, um, and my friend is Persian. And at, at the time they were living in London, and uh, she's getting ready to give birth to my friend, uh, and... Um, her mother comes into town and so she comes, her mother comes into town from Iran and, um, and sees her doctor. So she sees the doctor and, um, and she tells the mom, oh my goodness, like, aren't you worried about this doctor? And the mom is confused because, she, you know, it's like, well, what's wrong with the doctor? Like, you know, did I miss something? Like, you know, what's going on or whatever? And, um, and the mom says, well, he's black. And so my, my friend's mother is like, what are you talking about? Where did you even get that? 
So if you think about Iran, you know, you don't think about there being black people, right? And um, and so my my friend's mother is is horrified that her mother would say this. Um, this is uh, you know, 70s, and horrified that her mother would say this, and, and also really, really curious about why. And and she asked her mother something to the the effect of why would you say that? Where are you even getting this? And her mother had a moment of reflection and realized that she was getting it. She hadn't gotten it from her own experience. She'd actually gotten her opinion formed by media. She had just all of the media, U.S. media that had come into you know, her country was very much what how black people were being represented at the time which was not good you know i mean if you look at media from that time movies television shows all that there weren't a lot of pre- black presidents being represented there weren't you know black doctors and all that this is before gray's anatomy this is before shondaland and this is a time in which black people are all being represented in very negative ways and of course Black people are still being represented in negative ways. But if we look at how people are constantly, black people are constantly being represented and presented on media, if you can imagine what actually makes it out of the country, this is what people are believing about black people in those countries. And and, and her mother had this absolute understanding of herself, of, of that being the formation, the the beginning and the end of her understanding of blackness was through what she'd seen on media and immediately, you know, was embarrassed by it. Um, it is incredible to think that A, someone has this incredible integrity to be able to say, wait a minute, where did I get that? And then, and, and B, that's, that the person who inspires that inspired it with a question. Instead of saying, mom, I can't believe you're like this. You're such a racist, blah, 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 blah. You know, she really just said, where did you get this information? Why, what would make you think that? And that was enough to get the, 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 the person making a questionable statement in inquiry about why. Now, is that going to be that easy with just anyone, particularly people who have deep-seated um, racist tendencies or ideas about people, you know, of course there are people who have had very negative situations with people who are not like them and will look for, will, will actually, um, look for confirmation of that bias, which is called confirmation bias. Um, we'll, we'll look for that to be confirmed in media, um, whether it be mass media or news or, or you know whatever the case may be film what have you they will unwittingly seek out information that says yes what you believed was true and then of course this this belief system gets very deep seated and i think the only way that for that person things will change is when that person has an intimate experience through friendship um, or, you know, some sort of medical situation that puts them together with that person who they've othered and who, about whom they've created this narrative. 
And once they're in that situation, then they'll say, oh, wait, you know, apparently what I, I thought was wasn't true. And this this, of course, has layers as well, because certainly in my experience, having grown up in Dallas, there would be people who said, oh, well, you're a different kind of black person. And I, I've said this before on a previous episode, and I'm like, no, I'm I'm actually not unique. You know, there there are a lot there are a lot of us out there who are smart, witty, you know, um, and all of the things. And so, um, I, my suggestion in this is to ask that question. We're at a point in this, in society where someone says something and then our immediate reaction is just to be like, what the hell are you talking about? What are you doing? Why are you, you know, like just go ham on somebody. I'm not going to accept that. This is unacceptable or whatever. And the, and the divide deepens. I think it's interesting how a simple open-ended question can spur curiosity and can spur just a, um, even a pause to just think, where did I get that? Why do I believe what I believe? Who taught me to think the way that I think about people? You know, I, I would love to ask the question to, you know, my sister-in-law, what the hell? How did you become this this person? You know, or why do you think, why are you so deeply invested in your sister's marriage to really have an issue with her choice of spouse? Um, when did that become your priority? You know, just kind of getting into inquiry about it all. And so the holidays, I think, can be tricky because we're trying not to, you know, ruin Thanksgiving, which I'm sure, you know, certain parents would say, let's not rent, let's just have a nice evening. You know, we all know that niceness can just be a series of fake moments strung together. And that's a uh, quote, nice evening. And <laughs> instead of that, there could be some opportunities for true connection through a series of, of, of truth telling, storytelling and question asking. So there's an opportunity there, but if there's a clinging to niceness and having a, a really superficial experience with, with family members and, and friends, then of course, nothing will ever change in that family. And I think some families really want that. They just want to skate on the surface and that's good enough for them. And let's just let things lie. And, and maybe that's how they make it through the holidays. But you know what? What's going to happen is when there is a major situation, a death in the family of someone really important or the, the, the buffer, uh, you know, between the two people get sick or something, you know, at some point you are going to have to be in a room with someone and, and deal with all the things that haven't been said. So wouldn't it be nice to already start those conversations before it gets to that point. So then how do we know then who is in our lives who deserve to be there um, in the inner circle versus deserve to, who don't really deserve that place at all? You know, I was spoken to in episode nine, um, creating space so that you can create joy. And, and some of that includes the concept of salcha or cleansing, um, people out of your life. And, um, 
but what I didn't speak to is how you know who should be in your life versus who should not be in your life. And of course we, you know, some of those, um, that cleansing might be, um, just pushing people to the margins of your life, which I've spoken to before. So how do you know who should be in your life? Well, this actually reminds me of the story of me and my beloved meeting. You know, um, when we first met, we met at a tea house and I remember just being drawn, drawn in immediately, just, you know, curious. And then, you know, another gathering happens and we see each other again and we start talking. Then another gathering happens. We have a deep, long conversation. And then we start talking more and more and more. We're just friends, you know, just having conversations, getting to know one another. And, um, you know, at the time I had other people in my life. Um, and, uh, but I couldn't, you know, shake the idea of, of this, this person, you know, I'm just like, you know, this person's like really in my head. Um, when we finally did get together, uh, from that very first day, there a, a series of events were set into to motion. Um, you know, a week goes by or something, and then all of a sudden, um, her uh, she has an an accident. Um, it was, she used to drive a truck, and and she's a lefty and shifted with the right hand, of course. And, uh, but then when she had the, the accident, um, she broke her wrist so she can't shift. Like, how are you going to, you know, shift if you're, you've broken your right wrist, how are you going to drive the car? So now she can't drive her truck, truck is in the, in the shop and she was, uh, either on her way to the house or going away from the house. Like we were either, we were either seeing each other or we were going to see one another. I can't remember how it worked. I think she was on the way to the house. And had the accident. And so then um, I then was taking her here, taking her there, um, because she she couldn't drive. And, and her truck was in the shop. Her other vehicle was a motorcycle. And so, um, you know, you, you can't really drive a motorcycle when you only have one hand. Um <laughs> the her wrist gets better um she can drive now um so she starts so then she's like well I'll just I'll drive my motor my motorcycle so she's driving her motorcycle um on the way to the house again or around the corner from the house um lays down the bike cuz the chain had broken or something like that and the motorcycles in the shop. So the motorcycles in the shop, trucks in the shop, she can't drive, broken wrist. All these things are happening where we she, it's easier for her to be at the house than away from the house. It's 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 um I'm getting her here, I'm getting her there. I didn't even know at this point if I really liked her like that. You know what I'm saying? Like I just was like intrigued. We were going out, we were spending a lot of time together, but mostly because we kept getting put together. Um, because she couldn't leave. And I just remember thinking, I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to have you living over at my house like this. 
but she really technically could not leave because she couldn't drive or she didn't have a vehicle or all these things out of two vehicles. Neither one is operating. You got a broken wrist. Uh, it was, it was craziness. And so I just remember the hilarity of it all, because I, I remember having a moment to myself and saying, I guess we're supposed to be together because God knows she, she ain't leaving. You know, she can't actually leave. And I was like, man, I've never been thrown together with someone like this before in my life ever. And of course, later on, what ends up happening and, you know, fast forward, uh, seven and a half years and we've been married six and a half years now. Um, it, it's not just romantic relationships, but I think that it is really evident when God, spirit, the divine wants you together with someone. You might think of other people who are in your life. So I think of another friend of mine, Sandra, who is on the Bruja episode. And I remember meeting Sandra. She came to a class. I saw her again. She came to another class. Saw her again. She came to another class. And I'm like, I'm seeing you all the time. And she's like, ha ha, yeah, I'm stalking you. And I'm like, I don't think you're stalking me, but I see you all the time. And we kept seeing each other all the time. And then so it's like, let's have conversations. Clearly we're meant to be in each other's lives. The same with other people who I have, the other brujas, we were constantly either in the same class at the same time, yoga class that is, or we were in the yoga studio at the same time, or something was going on where we kept seeing one another. And these are people who were really meant to be in my life at this moment. Um, now, when I look back on it and I look at my future endeavors that I have planned in my head, you know, all of these people really definitely play a role in some aspect of that. And others who have come into my life who um, play different roles, I see how they are meant to be in my life or meant to be in mirror. But the, the point is, is that they just keep coming. I'm not doing any work for them to show up initially. They, they just show up. It's like God arranges this meet cute and then you don't notice. And it's a really great rom-com, right? So they, they're in the same room at the same time in a crowd standing next to one another. And then, you know, the next day, the same crowd, they notice one another. And the next day they're like, oh, hey, I've seen you before. And, and that's really how these people who are meant to be in our lives end up showing up. It seems random, but I don't believe it's random at all. These are people who are meant to be in our lives at that time. And I think it's our job to recognize that and to, and to honor God's request in fulfilling that relationship by just asking, Hey, coffee, tea, you know, let's get to the, clearly we're meant to know one another. Let's find out why. And then you find out there's some sort of amazing reason why you know each other. You are, it's like old friends hanging out, um, even though you've just met and, and all of those things. Um, it's, it's important, I think, for us to respond to the call when the call is obvious. If we keep having those people in our lives, it is. And subsequently, if, if getting together with someone always proves problematic, you can never get together, your calendars never align, um, you're, you're constantly, you try and, and things are, 
um, never working out to where you can get together and things like that, it might be time and, and, and it might be time for some space, you know, in that relationship. I definitely don't believe I'm forcing that when it happens, because in my opinion, that means that somebody's in some work and that work needs to happen. And if I force my time with this person, then I'm going to be forcing something else. So let's just let all that work out. And then the other uh, part of that too is with family members. You know what? If you don't miss each other when you're not around one another, you're probably not missing much. There's probably not someone who's meant to be in your life in a big and important way. The difference between the stories about how I met my my uh, partner, my wife, and how I met my friends who are really important to me is that they were all, we were active participants in the co-creation of those relationships. When it comes to family members, we're not, we're born into that situation. And so I think that we then become active participants in the maintenance of those relationships or we discern that relationship is actually quite damaging and that person is not someone I want to spend my time with in any kind of significant way. I'm not going to ask for that person to change their thoughts, their values, their whatever, whatever they think are their values, however bastardized that could be. You know, I'm not going to ask, I'm not going to push anyone to love me. I'm not interested in trying to sell myself to someone. I'm not interested in having to buy anyone's love or affection through many acts of, uh, of endearment or, or love and, and all of that on my behalf. If I have to buy your affection through, um, spending the, by paying the very expensive price of my time and you're not ever giving anything back to me, that's not a relationship that's worthwhile in my opinion. And if that relationship does somehow, you know, deepen or something, and I'm the only one doing the work, I'm the only one spending the time, I'm the only one making the effort, I'm the only one watching what I say so that I don't offend you, I'm the only one trying to curb my behavior in order to fit into your world, you know, that's, that's, that's me forcing myself into a relationship that's probably based on something else like being love addicted or love starved or codependent or all of the above. Um, but the, it's not based in any type of reciprocal, um, and boundaried, uh, relationship and the healthier, the relationship, the healthier, the boundaries. So with all of that being said, I think it's, on, the onus is on the individual to be able to recognize, okay, A, are you supposed to be in my life? Um, and if not, measure your distance between yourself and that person um, or walk away from them completely, honoring who they are, not, not having to, you know, say, screw you, I'm out or any of that stuff, but just saying, you know, we're, we're not right for one another right now. The other is, is if you are coming into a new 
understanding of self or of your truth and you open the door to an authentic for a person to be in come into an authentic uh relationship with your authentic self and that person chooses not to cross that threshold again thank you for the role that you have played and you are no longer an active participant in in my world um you go to the the tangents uh, or the margins of my world now and then when it comes to family members you know creating opportunities to have important conversations if not who will because we all live in echo chambers essentially where we have people who are around us who are like us who with who, with whom we have a shared value system uh, and shared opinions and get along really well and our lives are happy and joy filled and all of that stuff if we're lucky and that means that we don't have a lot of people disagreeing with us in big and important ways we may disagree on some small things or what have you but not disagreements that challenge a paradigm or challenge you know who you are in terms of how you show up to step into discourse about that situation and so it's important to take those opportunities that we will have to step into those moments when someone says something that's crazy or racist or Islamophobic, xenophobic, transphobic, and we say that's not okay. And, and we don't have to say that's not okay. We can say, why would you say that? Where did you get that information? What made you feel the way that you feel? When did this become so important to you, you would say something like that? And just open the conversation of what, what the hell, <laughs> what are you doing? Because I think that it, if we have some pre-framed questions, then we have a go-to and it's a lot better than just talking about football and vacations and what's on TV and just having really strained conversations about nothing for one or two hours and then you leave and you say oh i did it i made it and then you go off to go hang out with friends and you're back in that echo chamber nothing really changed so if you're ready for a change perhaps this is that opportunity to step into it in a very loving way that does not require conflict or, or argument just a question some inquiry and perhaps an answer, and maybe, if you're lucky, a shift. Come to a seated position for meditation. You may pause this recording while you get comfortable and prepared for your meditation today. Become aware of your natural breath. Notice your breath enter through your nostrils and exit through your nostrils. Notice the temperature of your breath. 
Sense the depth of your breath. On your inhale, notice whether it goes to your chest or deeper. Draw in breath to the pit of your belly. And as you exhale, make noise. Inhale, draw in your breath, fill your belly like a balloon. And exhale, sigh it out. Do that again. Take a big cleansing breath. Your belly expands and pelvic floor presses down. And as you exhale, happy sigh out. Notice your breath again. Notice your breath get deeper and longer. In your mind's eye, bring into mind a person who you love so very, very much. A person who you love, who loves you deeply. Sense the feeling of that person and that sense of love. See that person in your mind's eye in full details. And say to that person in your mind's eye, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be free. And send that person your love. And now bring into your mind's eye someone who you know, but perhaps not well. You don't necessarily have feelings that are good or bad about this person. And bring that person into your mind's eye. See that person and tell that person, may you be happy, may you be healthy, 
May you be free. Now bring into your mind's eye a person who you do not like very much at all. Perhaps even the person that you least like or a person with whom you've had a very estranged and difficult relationship. And bring that person into your mind's eye. Feel that person's presence And say to you, that person, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be free. And say it with all of your truth. And now in your mind's eye, see yourself reflected back to you in a mirror, looking back at you. See your own eyes reflected back to you. And say to yourself, may I be happy, may I be healthy. May I be free. And say that again. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I be free. And sense that in your body. Sense happiness in your body. Visualize health in your body all the way from the crown of your head to the tips of your fingers and your toes. Visualize health and wellness, mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, physical health. See yourself as one whole and healthy person. And bring into your mind's eye all of the things that have enslaved you by occupying your time and your emotions, the people and the topics that have occupied your mind 
your spirit, and your emotions. And broadcast them now out in front of you. And see them. And on your next exhale, allow for them to disappear into the ether. Allow for the shackles of opinions and people who would oppress and repress who you are. Allow for them to disappear. And sense the feeling of freedom freedom from all of the bondage of difficult and complicated relationships and situations that once enslaved you. See yourself as free. And you may need to do this more than once. Visualizing what needs to be released and releasing it. On every exhale, there is another opportunity to step into freedom. With this newfound sense of freedom, wellness, and health, and joy and happiness. Say, may all beings be happy. May all beings be healthy. May all beings be free. And say it with the knowledge that you are a part of a bigger consciousness, of a bigger world, of which everyone plays an important and sacred part. And that while some situations and people are difficult, they represent opportunities for us to step away from or step toward something else. May you continue to find clarity over the direction that will order your steps toward or away from relationships and situations that would be unhealthy, cause distress, or create a sense of enslavement anew. Bring awareness back to your breath. Notice your breath at the back of your throat, warming your throat. 
and take a giant inhale in. Exhale, ha. Now when you're ready, bring a movement into your hands. Blink open your eyes and see something new. It is always my goal to leave you better than I found you. I hope that happened for you today. Namaste. You've been listening to Think, Flow, Grow. This is Tamika with Asha Yoga. I'd love to hear your feedback and would love to hear any topics that you'd like for me to address. Feel free to email me at tamika at ashayoga.com. Also, you can go to that website to find out upcoming workshops, retreats, and events in your area.